Welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. Join me in the word of prayer. Father, here we are again, gathered in your house, Lord God, relying on you to feed us, Lord, with your word. Father, we rest in your power, your power that has no boundaries, Lord. Father, empower me tonight, Lord God, again, to speak to your people. Let you and you alone speak to them, Father, through me. Lord, don't let anything about me get in the way, Lord God, of you speaking to your people. Help us, Father, completely and thoroughly to be able to consume and understand what it is you are going to tell us. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Do not let anything or anyone prevent us from hearing you and listening to your words. Father, we are here. Some are eager to learn and hear you. Some are not, Father. I pray, Father, that we will all be, Father, fertile, ready, and willing to listen. Father, we need you in our lives, Lord God, and tonight, Lord, speak to us so that our lives will reflect you. Override my preparations, Lord God. Bless your people tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please turn your Bibles to John chapter 15. And I'll, be, you'll be reading from verses 1. Or verses 5 to 7. But before you get there, we're still in our journey at the second book of Corinthians. Tonight, we entitled our message, Part of the Game. The verses, uh, main verses will be 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 to 18. I have those versions that I'm going to be using, so sometimes it might not match your Bible. But uh, I like to play around with those versions because sometimes it speaks more to me, makes more meaning to me, so my hope is always that it'll do the same for you. I titled the message, Part of the Game. This is the phrase we use uh, during sports or if you're playing basketball and you get hurt or you get blocked and pe- or an embarrassing moment at your school, some people will just try to comfort you and say, oh, it's part of the game. Basically, you just might as well suck it up and walk. Walk it off, okay? Don't be a baby. It's part of the game. Amen? So tonight, we're going to be talking about the doctrine of suffering. Yes! (laughs) Yay! The most popular doctrine in Christianity today. Amen? No, it's not. This is the doctrine that we love to avoid. This is the study about our Christianity that we would rather not hear or listen to. This is something we, or some of the churches, have watered down and twisted it to something else. Paul was very good at reminding us in all his letters, though. This is his second letter to the Corinthians, and this is not the one verse that you will hear about suffering. The sufferings he has encountered and experienced in his life as he serves our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So, tonight we will be tackling that. 
we start with this. God's power in jars of clay. Cast down but unconquered. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Here we see that this is God's power. We discussed it last week, right? That it is from the Holy Spirit that dwells in us in order for us to be able to walk this impossible walk of Christian life is that we need to be able to recognize and tap into the power that is within us through the Holy Spirit. Amen? And here we'll first tackle the power of God, then we'll go discuss the treasures in jars of clay. The treasure that we believers have is the treasure of salvation. Through Christ Jesus that we all carry in our lives. Every believer if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you hold the treasure that no one else, that no one can buy. That treasure is eternal life through Christ Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen? That's a treasure. That's a treasure. When was the last time you shared that treasure to someone else? Or we, most of the Christians now, we like to hoard treasures especially that treasure of salvation. We like it, we love it, we keep it. We don't share it. We think that we can just, you know, donate, do other things. Those are all good things. Love on other people. Make a well in Africa. But the Bible says, For what is it to man that he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? That's the same thing when we do something else and give other things to other people other than the most important thing that we carry and we have. That's the treasure that, we talk, that we're talking about here. And now we go to the power. God's power, not ours. Please look into your Bible and you will see John 15, 5. It reads, I am the vine, you are the branches. Jesus speaking. He who abides in me he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. This is a good reminder all the time that we cannot accomplish anything apart from Jesus. Apart from the Holy Spirit empowering us, there is nothing that we can achieve spiritually. Spiritually, you can do the things that you are gifted. You can work, you can walk, you can drive. You can cook, you can eat. Those things, you don't need the Holy Spirit's help. Right? But when it comes to spiritual matters, you need, you need the Holy Spirit. When you're sharing the gospel, when you're sharing the gospel, when you're discipling someone, just the fact that you will take time to listen, that's from the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of us, we like to do the talking, right? We are quick to talk and slow to listen. While the Bible says otherwise, be slow to speak. There is a reason why there's two ears and one mouth. But most of us, most of us were made out of a big mouth. Right? We call, we call, we call our pastor, and we, we tell them, or we call someone else that we think is pretty mature, right? We call them, and we open our and we just keep yapping. We go through this verbal diarrhea. 
right? He just kept going, spewing, 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 spewing. Ping, ping, ping. But you barely take the time to actually listen to a point you don't hear. You won't hear the advice that you really needed to hear because you could care less. You just wanted a soundboard. You just wanted somebody to listen to you. Sometimes that's good. You know, and, and, and when I disciple someone, I know that there is a time where I will be the, just the soundboard. Sometimes, because most of the time, the best advice I can give you is just to listen to you. Because frankly, you don't really want to hear what I have to say. That's the truth. It's the truth. Because how do I know? Because it's the sixth time that we're talking about the same thing. This is the sixth or seventh or eighth time that you're telling me the same problem over and over and over again. You didn't hear and you didn't want to hear and still you don't want to listen. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. Again, when it comes to spiritual matters, we need to be connected. We need to be connected with the Holy Spirit. In Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Who's the Him? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that indwells in all believers. In all believers. The thing is, most believers, we sin, right? We sin, and when we sin, we quench we quench the Holy Spirit. We quench the fire of the Holy Spirit in us. When there is sin, you are cursing your life. You are putting curses in your life. You're going to go through troubles and hardships because that's the consequences of your sin. Believer, your sins are forgiven, but the consequences of your sins, you will pay for. That's why when you ask for forgiveness from God, you ask for mercy. You do not get what you deserve for the sin that you've committed. But asking for forgiveness also means repenting. You're turning away from that sin. You're turning away from that sin. Now, is it easy? Of course not. It's never easy. Especially once you've tasted the sin. Your human nature goes back into it. You get hooked again. Whatever it is, whatever addiction it was you, you struggled with before, and you start it again, there you go. You're struggling once again. The world's word struggle means there's resistance from both sides. Because you are a new creation, created in Christ Jesus. That's why you're no longer wanting it. That's why you're all of a sudden feeling bad about it. Because before you wouldn't. You could care less. But now, because the Holy Spirit is in you, it's making you feel that. We'll go and talk about God's power, not ours still. Remember when we tackled or we went through 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 29? Let me read this to you. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing in the world what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. 
When God said in James 4.6 and also in Proverbs 3.34, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, he was not playing around. Opposed means the opposite, against. God opposes the proud. That's why our spiritual walk will never be about your power because God knows and you very well know that you will boast about it. Oh, you know what, Joe? I'm the most humblest person that you'll ever meet. (laughs) I don't think you've ever met a person like me as humble as me, Joe. That's a contradictory statement, correct? Who here is humble? Please show your hands. (laughs) God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's why God intentionally chose people out of the foolish people in the world to deliver and to do His work that is just magnanimous to whatever the world can do. The gift of salvation is nothing that we can do. It's what God can do. Amen? We cannot save ourselves. No matter what we do, no matter how hard we try, there is no way you can save yourself because you will boast about it. And God opposes the proud. Now, believer, are you still proud? We cannot take this lightly. In our entire life, after we surrender our lives to Him, it becomes that we remove any sense of pride in us in order for us to be able to ask God completely and thoroughly and honestly that we need Him, that apart from Him we can do nothing, that only through Him and Him alone can we resist temptation, and only through Him and Him alone can we obey His commands that He's asked us to do, that only through Him and Him alone can we be able to serve Him in the ministries that He has called all of us to be in. We need to humble ourselves to that manner, to that level, because there's no way you can do it. Our salvation, all from God. Praise God, it's all from Him, because His work is perfect. His work on the cross is perfect. When Jesus said it is finished, He meant it. Amen? Amen. If you are still trying to add something to your salvation, stop it. That's the wrong doctrine. You cannot add anything to your salvation. The good works that you do after you receive Christ as your Lord is your response. Your response to that love relationship that He has given you. Amen? It's a response of your gratitude. You're grateful enough for everything that He has done for you. Despite your imperfection, despite all the dirt that you've done in your life, He saved you. So in response to that, you do good works. You end up glorifying God in your life and what you do. Amen? In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 to 9, Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. To preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. 
Even Paul recognizes that he wasn't worthy of the call. Amen? So if you're walking around and you're saying, well, I'm glad God chose me because I'm the perfect guy for the job. <laughs> he did not make a mistake in choosing me. Brother or sister, you just missed the mark. That's not the kind of confidence God wants from you. It's the opposite of the world. The world tells us differently. The world tells us to be confident that you are, you are the gift of God to the world. That's what the world tells us, right? You're not. There is nothing that you can do apart from Christ. Amen? Amen. This is important. This first part is important for us to understand and recognize. Because as we go through the doctrine of suffering, you will see the need of God's power in your life and in your walk. My prayer is that if you did not understand this, you will have your notes with you and you will go through these verses and understand again that if you've been failing in your walk, it's because you haven't been relying on His power. You've been relying on your power and your understanding and your wisdom. This is your wisdom compared to God's wisdom. This is your power compared to God's power. So stop wondering why you're failing. Just know this, because you relied on yourself. So now we're going to get through, we're going to go through the, we are like jars of clay. Paul tells Timothy in his letter to him in 2 Timothy 2, 20-21, In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. The treasures in jars of clay in the very, big, very first verse that we read in 2 Corinthians, unlike bronze or other more expensive vessels, jars of clay were inexpensive. They were cheaply made. So thus they were disposable. The metaphor there is, so are we. We are cheaply made. We are made out of dust. We are made by God, but we are made out of dust. We are ordinary people. But God has given us that, that treasure, which is the salvation. A divine gift out of jars of clay. You see here that God's sovereignty, that He chooses on which ones He will give on what purposes for His kingdom. That's what we see here. As ordinary and cheaply a jar of clay is made and looks, so are we. Mere men, flawed and inconsistent. And we have zero power on our own. However, we have to know that God can use us for any good work that He pleases, so long as we are willing. Amen? We need, though, this is what we need. We need to keep ourselves holy, as God has intended for us to be, because He set us apart from the world. If you do not keep yourself holy, He cannot use you. He will not use you. He will not use you for His work. 
And if you are not being used for His work, you are not living the life that He has designed for you. And you are living a miserable life. You just don't know it yet, but you are. If you are not living the life that he has, the God that made you and designed you to be, and you're not doing that function, you think you're living a great life? Just like a cell phone? The designer of the cell phone is the one that completely understands how that device will work. Do we agree? But us who just are consumers, we could care less how it was made, right? We just like it, and we know how to use it, and we're happy with it. But if the phone doesn't work as it's designed to work, what happens to the consumers? We get aggravated. In an emergency, the battery dies and you can't call for help. You're trying to check on your children and you can't find out what's wrong with them or if they're okay because the phone died or they're not picking up their calls or phones are dropping. A device that's not working and it's not serving its purpose creates problems. Do we agree? Do we agree? I guess if you don't agree, you don't have a cell phone and you don't have a computer. Because those two things barely, they don't work when you need them to work. A car that's designed to take you from point A to point B breaks down halfway from point A. Does that make you a happy person? No. It's the same with a Christian who is not functioning, who's not living the life that God has designed him or her to be. It creates aggravation and it delays and it makes people unhappy to the people that are surrounding that believer. Your co-workers that God has given with you, the people that you encounter from day to day, that's God's design for you. You are the salt and light at your workplace. You are the salt and light at your family. If you are the only believer in your family, you are the salt and light for your family. If you are a parent and your children are not saved, you are the salt and light for your children. If you are not functioning, if you are not obeying God's word in your life, you are not serving your purpose and people are dying around you because you disobeyed or did not want to obey. God has chosen all of us for a special purpose. The reason we're not being used is because we're not living a holy life and we're not willing. All right, this will make me a popular dude after tonight. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna, we're gonna get through this. Now, this is the... Doctrine of suffering. We're going to see again. Life of challenges. A Christian life is a life of challenges. I'm not going to be talking about the blessings tonight because you very well know of God's blessings. Amen? You know His blessings. One thing we deny for some reason are the sufferings that's entailed with us being in relationship with our Lord. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. 
that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Paul is actually claiming it as a victory. His statement here is a victory. He's say, saying this with, with pride. We are hard-pressed on every side, but yet not crushed. He's proud of it. He says here, we are perplexed, but not in despair. Despair, the definition of despair is lack of hope. A Christian, however many challenges that you're going through, how heavy, whatever challenges you are going through today, how heavy it is in your hearts, you cannot be in despair. You know why? Because Christ is your hope. Amen? Because Christ is your hope. We spent a lot of time earlier talking about God's power in us. Amen? That's why we can't be in despair. Will we feel the pain? Yes. Will we feel the heartaches? Yes. When we go through trouble, we're not happy. If you're happy going through trouble, you're a crazy man. Nobody's happy going through these trials. Nobody likes going through pain. We pray for protection. I pray for protection for my family. Day in and day out, I pray for protection for you. We ask for prayers from you. We pray for everyone. That's why we pray. Because we know that all believers are subjected to a trial. And the only protection that we have is if we ask God to protect us. Paul spoke of his many hardships and tribulations that he has experienced at the Corinthian church in both of his letters. This again tells us, Christ followers, any here, anybody here Christ follower? That we obey, that as we obey and follow our Lord in this life, we will have trouble. Jesus said that in John 16.33. Please turn your Bibles since you are in John. John 16.33. If you haven't marked this yet, please mark it now. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, Jesus speaking. In the world you will have tribulation. I'm reading from the NKJV. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. So believer, if you're still getting, being surprised with the troubles that you're going through, you're like, what is this? What is this I'm going through? I thought when I accepted Christ, I'll be done and over with with this trouble in this world. It, I was better off when I wasn't a Christian because I wasn't going through these heavy things. You're like the Israelites when they got out of Egypt. They started saying, it was better when we were in Egypt. We were eating meat. Now we've been eating manna here. That's all we've been eating. You should have just left us there. How foolish of a talk, right? Because we know the ending of that story. We know the context of that story. But have you caught yourself saying the same thing? Why am I going through this, Lord? You feel entitled. You go through it, right? You got that sense of entitlement. Lord, after everything I've done for you, you still bring me to this point? After everything, Lord. Seriously. Do you guys know who David Livingstone is? No, he's just a missionary back in the 1800s uh, to China or to Africa. 
during the 1840s, he gained only one real convert to Christianity. He also narrowly survived death after being mauled by a lion. In 1845, he married um, his wife, and, um, but he lost her. No, no, no. She did not share her husband's interest in the exploration where it, it's in Africa, but he's, because he was so extreme. He wanted to go to, to places that no one has ever been before to share the gospel. His wife, so you would think, with these things that this guy has been doing, serving God, he will be blessed, correct? But he was mauled by a lion. Then listen to this. His wife, Mary, came to suffer from alcoholism. And David admitted one regret he had was that he didn't spend more time with his family because, because serving God hurts, correct? Serving God demands everything from us. How about uh, Hudson Taylor, the missionary in China? He was responsible for, for it, interpreting the Bible, English Bible, to Chinese that the Chinese people are still experiencing the blessing from his obedience. Taylor's grueling work pace, both in China and abroad, to England, the United States, and Canada on speaking engagements to recruit missionaries was carried on despite Taylor's poor health and bouts with depression. Imagine that. In 1900, it became too much and he had complete physical and mental breakdown. The personal cost of Taylor's vision was high on his family as well. His wife Maria died at age 33, and four of eight of their children died before they reached the, reached the age of 10. So, you believer that's sitting there, that stopped, if you stopped serving God because you went through a trial, whether it's with your family or at work or something else, and you said, well, Lord, if this is how it's going to be, I'm not going to serve you. Listen to this. You're actually on the right track. Because Christian life is a life of challenges. Amen? We've experienced the greatest blessing of all, eternal life. Please turn your Bibles to John. You're still in John chapter 6, verse 50 to 69. I'm going to start reading from verse 50. Jesus speaking here. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled, therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? They thought he was talking about them being carnivores. This is the first zombie uh, <laughs> apocalypse. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. And we jump to verse 60. Therefore many of, this, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And then he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless he has been granted to him by my Father. John 6, 66, the number 666 reads, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. That is what it reminds me when people go through sufferings and they don't like it and they choose to walk away from the faith. Because we just want blessings from God. Amen? What we thought was we found a magical genie with God. Right? Because we all grew up watching cartoons and we know Aladdin and we know about the genie where you get three wishes. And then we all of a sudden, somebody told us about Jesus, that, that God is powerful, that only if you believe, that if you believe enough, you can move this mount from here to there. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh my gosh, I got me a genie. We're laughing, but sometimes that's how we treat our Lord. That's how we treat our faith. Because we don't want anything else from God other than blessings. That's why the church has less servants than more servants. Because the people know that when you start serving God, you will experience trouble. That's why people back away. They cowered away from that challenge. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. It's also said in Romans 8.17, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Do I have it there? We are to offer our lives for him. And I repeat that. We are to offer our lives to Him. It's called living sacrifice. You just don't die, and that's when you share the gospel. And then you tell me, when I die, share the gospel at my funeral, okay? No. <laughs> I could do that. I'll do that. But still, while you're living, you serve Him. Amen? We say this verse is for the spiritually mature, Galatians 2.20. Can we all recite it if you know it? For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live for him who loved me and gave his life for me. We know that that's for spiritual maturity. 
And once you hit that verse, you have hit your spiritual maturity. Some of us, whether we admit it or not, thought that once we accepted Jesus as our Lord, we, we can live our lives and just be blessed with no repercussions, with no sacrifice. Material blessings left and right because we got the God of the universe who created all things. But then when you start experiencing challenges in our lives, we start questioning the decision we made. What is this about? What is this suffering? The sufferings of Christ that is said here and in the other verse earlier, there are two things. Sufferings of Christ were infinite, and they came from two sources. This is from Louis Sperry Schaefer. What Christ suffered from the Father in which no other can share, what is that? To die on the cross for our sins. No one else can share that. It's only Him. You can read that in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the first suffering. The second suffering is the Christ, what Christ suffered from men, in which we believers may share with. That's in John 15, verse 18 to 20. It reads, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. And the question is, does the world love you? Are you making sure that the world loves you? Then you're probably part of the world. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That I is, is God chose you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they obeyed my teaching, they will also obey yours. Now, believer, suffering with him proves a natural face of a Christian's life and experience. For he is, for we... We are just sojourning. We're just traveling in the enemy's land. This is the enemy's land. We are Christ's ambassadors. Amen? If you were chosen to be the ambassador of the United States to the Philippines, somebody's smiling, right? You cannot be of the Philippines. You must be all about America. Because the minute you become about the country that you are visiting, you just betrayed your country. Now, believers, it's the same for us. We are crisis ambassadors in this, this world that is not ours. This is the enemy's territory. We are just journeying in the enemy's land, and we are called to be a witness against its sin. Amen? We are called to be a witness against its sin. We can't compromise our faith so that the world will like us. We can't become, we cannot become like them. Most of us, we've become like them. Or we've never really changed for some of us. Oh, dude, the only way I can share to them is if I just keep hanging out with them. 
You have to understand this, Joe. You've been there. And I tell you, yes, I've been there, and I was trapped. It's like a quicksand. The minute you compromise your faith in order for you to share the gospel, you're going you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna to go down. Because it's enemy's territory. We have to be a witness against the world's sin. And we are summoned to labor. We are summoned to labor. We are summoned to work that souls be saved from its evil and darkness of this world. Do you know that that's your responsibility? Or have you ignored it? The Christian church have ignored it most of the Christian church, actually, have ignored that. It's just about living the good life now. Living through God's blessings now. Enjoying God's blessings. That's what we've come to just know and embrace. We've forgotten the responsibility and we've forgotten the part of suffering. And when we're suffering, we're complaining. We forget that we have to become part of Christ's suffering and as much as we become part of His suffering, we become part of His glory. I'm changing slides. There you go. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Paul understands, Paul understood that the suffering that he was going through was for the benefit of the people that was going to hear about it. Paul knew that it was for God's glory that he will be able to testify God's love despite the suffering that he went through. Just like our late brother Jonas. If you guys didn't know, he had a brother here that suffered and battled through cancer for a whole year and something. But despite his suffering, the man kept saying, God is good. God is good. In his dying days, he had the burden for the loss. He shared the gospel to his mother-in-law. And nothing made him more happy when she prayed to receive Christ. The man was, was, was so happy when we had the mini service for him during Christmas time in his room. We were saying praise and worship songs with him. When I, when I read the Bible to him, he was more than happy to hear it. That's more than some of us can say here. Some of us, we drag ourselves to go to church. Right? We're healthy, but we drag ourselves to church. Some of us, we're healthy, we're blessed, but we forget to go to church. We could care less if we go to church. We're healthy, we say we praise God, we're healthy, but we don't do anything for God with our healthy lives. We forget. We forget. We get sucked into what the world gives us. The world tells us, be rich, 
Be happy, live, love, laugh. Live, love, laugh. The three L's of the world, right? That's all we're worried about. We're just worried about looking pretty, looking happy, looking a lot of money on Facebook, on our timelines. You know, I don't know what the world's problem is because every time I look at my news feed on my Facebook, everybody seems to be happy. Everybody seems to be eating good food. Everybody seems to be enjoying their relationship with their children and their spouse. Nobody seems to have any problems. Right? So I don't know what this problem is that you hear outside Facebook. We don't want, right? That's true. You don't take out your dirty laundry to the public. Right? That's good that you don't. But the truth is we forget us believers, who forget what we're supposed to do. And we complain about sufferings. We want to walk away from the faith. You know, we, we encounter trouble at church. And what do we do? We see an argument or we hear an argument at church and we say, what? What a bunch of hypocrites. Right? I'm leaving church. That's why I don't like church, because of all those hypocrisy, all those politics. But this person forgets to look in the mirror, right? If you want to look in the mirror, you will see that you, my friend, you too are not perfect. We keep saying that in this church, it consists of people that are not perfect. Amen? Bunch of sinners saved by grace. Amen? Our sufferings are there to glorify God. For that people will bring, it will bring people to Christ. Because when you go through trouble and you're sharing that to people, people see it. You're going through trouble. And all of a sudden you're out of trouble. And then what will, what will they ask you? What happened? How did you go through it? What made you not go through that difficult divorce that you were thinking of? And you have to be quick to say, God took me out of that problem. When you're going through troubles with your children, and your coworkers will say, how did that happen? How did your problem get solved? And you say, prayer works. God saved my children. God helped me. And if a prayer was answered, if, something was, if God did something in your life, there's a testimony part at church that you can take advantage of in order to encourage other believers that could be going through the same thing. Amen? But what are we worried about, especially at this church? We're worried about ourselves. Oh, I don't want to get embarrassed, Pastor Joe. Yeah, you don't want to get embarrassed, but you didn't give glory to God. Amen? Because you know what? The trouble that God put you through, somebody else is going through it, and they need to hear that God is good and God saw you through it. Amen? <laughs> Don't you love this message? You guys are just, oh. <laughs> this is heavy. I know it's heavy. I don't, I don't take this lightly, but this is serious. This is something we really all need to hear. This is something that is unpopular, but is so crucial in our faith. Fifth point, 
Verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart. Again, Paul saying the same thing, just what we read last week. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. You will feel the pain. Your body will feel the pain. You will carry the marks. You will carry the scars of the trials and the, 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 the trouble that you go through. You will go through it. But in you, God is making you stronger because of those trials. Please turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 12 to 13. 1 Peter is uh, before 2 Peter. <laughs> okay. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Brothers and sisters, we have to go through it. There's no escaping it. We have to go through. But we are, getting, we are being strengthened inwardly. The moment that we, we go through that trial and God sees us through, you will have that faith that was stronger from the last time. Because, you know, man, you know what? God saw me through before. He will see me through again. Correct? That's what happens. That's why he... Sometimes you're not getting the point. Sometimes you're not getting the lessons. You're going to go through the same thing over and over and over again until you get the point. Until you learn the lesson. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is where we, made, we, were, we are me, being made fun of. The thoughts of heaven. The things that are not seen. Right? The atheists will make fun of you because there's no proof. They're going to tell you there's no proof of heaven. There's no proof of a God for you. So if your faith is weak, and you're going through troubles, and you're going to say, what kind of a good God puts me through this trial? If God is good, why did He let me lose my child? If God is good, why did He let me go through a divorce? If God is good, why did He let me lose my job, and then eventually I lost my house, and then my children? If God is good, why is He making me go through this? If your faith is weak, you'll run the other way. If you are not understanding that the trials that God puts us through is for our own benefit and for the people that are watching us and to strengthen our faith, you will run the other way. Faith is believing on something that is not seen. Amen? You know, when things are peachy or good, Everybody's happy, correct? 
There's no need to say you're strong or your faith is, is strong. You're always saying God is good until you go through trials. When you go through trials, when there's resistance, that's when you'll find your strength. That's when you'll find God's strength. That's when you'll test your faith. When you're working out, you don't work on your, on your muscles with light weights only. If you really want to get big and strong, you rip it where you're putting more weights on the bar. Because to build the muscle, you have to tear it. It's the same with our spiritual faith. same with our spiritual muscles. There's no different. If we fix our eyes or our sense of seeing to what we are limited to see, we will give up, we will give up easily when things are going wrong. The real test of endurance for our faith is not when things are going right or well. It is when things are not going the way we want it to go. The character of any man is shown in the face of difficulty. Do you agree? If you are married, <laughs> okay, wives, the only way you'll find out if your husband is actually brave is when you're faced with trouble. He can tell you all day long that he's brave, he's strong, not afraid of anything until you're faced with a mugger. If he leaves you, if he runs the other way and leaves you, you have a very, very uh, big decision to make. You know? <laughs> If you're camping out in the woods and you guys see a bear, how do you survive for we married people? It's not how fast you run. You push your partner to the bear. <laughs> so he'll be busy with no, I'm kidding. No, don't do that. <laughs> the real test to a character of a man is when difficulty or troubles come. A real test to a Christian's faith is when trials and trouble come your way. That's when you'll find out if your faith is strong. That is when God is making your faith stronger. That's why he's giving you trouble. However, our Lord told us through Paul, and have shown all throughout his life and ministry, that we should set our eyes towards heaven and the promise of eternity in order for us not to lose our heart or give up during a crisis. Believer, you will go through crisis. You will go through troubles. But God's trying to strengthen you. God will see you through. That's when God knows if you really trust Him. That's when you'll know if He's really powerful. That's when you'll know if He's real. It is the only way we can do it. We have this hope in Christ. Amen? I think this is my last point. No, it's not. <laughs> Fix our eyes and heart on Christ. Colossians 3, 1-4, Paul writes, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. See, that's the, that's the problem with many of us. 
we have not really crucified ourselves with Christ. Our old selves, I mean. We have not really hidden our lives with God. We accepted Christ as Savior. We were more than willing to accept Christ as our Savior. But we were not understanding the magnitude of the word Lord. The Lordship of Christ is what many of us have not surrendered to. And that's why we're having a hard time with our walk. That's why we're having a hard time with our obedience. Because the Lordship of Christ is not clear to us. For some of us, it's clear, and we're clearly disobeying Him. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. You know who I think of? I think of Stephen. When I see this, set your eyes on things above, where Christ is seated. Right? So you remember when Stephen was getting stoned? And he says, I see the Son of God standing. After he shared the gospel, after he shared his testimony to the people, they start stoning him to death. Have you been, have you been, not stoned, okay? Not the other stone, but has anyone thrown the rock at you? <laughs> have you been hit with a rock? Oh, gosh, have you been hit with a rock? It hurts, right? If you hit with a basketball, it hurts. What more getting stoned to death? But despite that, he set his eyes on things above and he saw Jesus giving him a, a standing ovation. Do you seek God's approval in your life? Do you seek to please God with your life? If your answer is no, I never really thought about that, <laughs> the time should be, the answer should be yes, and the time should be now. Stephen received a standing ovation from our Lord. Let us get into the habit of looking up in heaven with our eyes and our hearts in order for us to keep going in this journey that our Lord has placed us in. This is a journey. This is a marathon. This is not a race. This is not a sprint. That's why most of you, you get tired of the Christian walk. Because you thought, if you be good for one year, be consistent for one year, if you were faithful to your, your spouse for five years or ten years, that's it. But then you're like, man, this is taking forever. I can't handle this anymore. And especially us parents, we live our lives as, as an example to our kids, correct? And you know what? That's a very big responsibility. Because they see, they learn more from seeing from what you're saying. There was a story of a, of, of a father who was called by the principal. His child was six, uh, in sixth grade. And the teacher goes, Sir, we found out that your son has been taking pencils from uh, the classroom. And the dad goes, why would he take pencils? I have so much at work. And I bring it at home. <laughs> I think I blew that joke. So the point was, because he steals from the office too, so he was wondering, okay, you got it? <laughs> we lead by example. Same with us believers. You share about Jesus today, and then your coworkers will see you 
living like the devil the next day. Right? You tell them you were at church on Sunday, but then you go and be a different person, playing for the enemy the next day. I want to read to you Mark 8.36. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Whatever we set our minds into, we give our best to either attain it or we die trying, correct? I'm hoping that it's the same with our relationship and our walk with the Lord. Our Lord Jesus said that he will use Paul to spread the gospel to the Gentiles, that he will suffer many things under his name. We are also told this, correct? And in this life, you will have trouble. But behold, I have overcome the world. And Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. We are all charged of the same thing. We go to heaven after this life. When we die after all these trials and tribulations that we go through, the worst thing that can happen to us is that we die. But when we die, we go to heaven. Amen? That's more than what the other people can say. They have no promise of eternity. Let us live with these promises being real in our hearts, minds, and our soul. These truths about our walk is not to discourage us. These truths about the suffering is not to discourage us. You know, when, you, when you're told what you're going to go through, it should, be, it should be easier. Let me just read to you a quote from M. Scott Peck. I know I read this before. But I think it just speaks so much to me. It says here, Life is difficult. That is the great truth. One of the greatest truths. It is a great truth because once we truly see this truth, we transcend it. Once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept it, then life is no longer difficult. Because once it is accepted, the fact that life is difficult no longer matters. Amen? Amen. Amen. Before, I could care less if we didn't have any hot water in the Philippines. Because I've never been in the States where you can have hot water on demand. But once I came to the States and went back to the Philippines, then it became hard. It became difficult. I didn't know how heavy the traffic was until I came to the States where there was no traffic, especially in Reno. I never knew the difficulty of my life in the Philippines until I was in the States. But you know what? It's the same thing for us believers. We have to know that our lives as Christians, we will be tried and tested. You will be tried and tested. But knowing it will help you go through it because what do you know? You have to tap into the Holy Spirit that lives in you. Amen? You have to tap into the power that is within you because with your power, you can't go through it. And you have to understand that this trial and difficulty that you're going through is for your own good and for the benefit of many. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Woo! I thought I wasn't going to finish that. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for your love, Lord God.
your love that um, was shown in the cross for your son, Lord God, dying for our sins. We thank you for your power, Lord God, that has no barrier, that has no limit. We thank you for your mercy and your grace that is new every morning. Father, we, we know that you said in this life we will have trouble. But after that, you said, but behold, I have overcome the world. Father, we trust in you. We trust in your love. We trust in your goodness. No matter what we're going through, Lord God, you are still good. Lord, I pray that our challenges, our difficulties in our lives will not go to waste, Lord God. I pray that we will be able to overcome it with your help so that it will become a testimony of your love and your power to others who are watching us, who are also going through the same thing. Father, I pray for those who are broken tonight. I pray that you restore them. I pray that you restore their broken hearts, Lord God. I pray that you revive their spirit. I pray that you encourage them, Lord God, and strengthen them, no matter how hard the, the difficulty that they have. Father, I pray for those challenges to go away, Father God. I pray that uh, you will help them go through it. Father, I pray for everyone that's here tonight, Lord God. I pray that we will all be reminded of our responsibility to the world, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that we were just not to enjoy your blessings, but become a blessing to other people, Lord, especially the lost. Father, we thank you for your truth that was spoken tonight. We ask for your help, Lord God, that we'll be able to live it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life.